This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. Ooh, it's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. We talk with Bill Shackleton Wednesdays through Fridays on The Buzz at the top of our second hour. Sir, you've got some items that we took a quick look at, and we were quite excited to get into some of them, so we'll let you choose where we begin. Well, I want to do this first one. It's about talking to yourself, and it's actually, is it normal to talk to yourself? Hmm, we're surprised <clears throat> you're starting with that one, Bill. Yeah, really? Yeah, we were really? very that, interested. Yeah, we probably figured out he was going to bring that one. Oh, anyway, go um, ahead, Bill. Actually, coming to us from HuffPost Canada, um, the HuffPost CA website, <clears throat> apparent, well, talking to yourself, a lot of people are going to think it's a sign of illness or you have a problem. There are a couple of issues that we'll talk about later in this article that um, could be problematic. But did you know that everybody talks to themselves at some point, some more than others? Um, Experts say that it is more prevalent now because, of course, with the pandemic. And, of course, if you're living by yourself, who are you going to talk to? So people are talking to themselves more. There are benefits from doing this. I mean, if you talk about what about if you're planning a meeting with a boss? What about if you're if you if you're dealing with a difficult situation? Wouldn't it be nice to talk through your exact words on what you're going to say at that meeting and what the possible answers might be? So you can talk through, well, I'm going to say this and that to my boss, and here's how I'm going to say it, and da da da. Kind of like rehearsing, right, Bill? Like before, let's exactly. just as an example, like as an example. You know, when you're on hold waiting to come on the show, if you rehearsed to come on here to talk about the item, that that's the kind of thing you're talking about. That that's exactly. Um, it's gives you a piece of gives you peace of mind. I mean, it's like the other thing is that um, when you leave before you leave your house, you might do a checklist. Have I got my keys? Have I got my cane? Have I got my banking card? Um, and so on and so on. It's good to talk it out. And then uh, not just saying in your head, it's good to talk it through because it's more in, it's more finite, right? Right, right. Well, and, and I don't know what it is. It's almost like hearing it going back through your ears. makes It's like you telling a story, even though it's your voice. doesn't matter. It's been said out loud and you've heard it. And it almost adds to that learning auditorially as much as just keeping it in your head. And and I, I often wonder on the validity of that. Does that have anything to do with it? Um, because, I'll, you know, you do, got this, got that. Okay. Yeah, the checklist stuff is really yeah. specific. And, mm-hmm. Well, the other thing you can do, um, the, the, the experts in this article recommend that you – now, it's, it's interestingly enough, they didn't say it was wrong to talk to yourself in public, although I don't think I do that. I think – too many people might think that there's a problem, but I don't know now a... with everybody on cell phones. Yeah, like a lot of times you wouldn't you even think, know. <laughs> you wouldn't know us because some people are very animated. They still whether they're talking, you know, about something to somebody, and you know, I've answered people too. They'll like you know be calling someone. They'll 
hello, and I'll, oh, hi. Oh, and they're talking to somebody on their phone. And I try now not to answer because I bite my tongue thinking, look, 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 eight out of 10 times they're talking on their phone, right? Don't yeah. do it. But I don't think, Bill, remember what you know? our dads used to say, Bill, oh, nothing wrong with talking to yourself. It's when you answer yourself is the problem. And it's not even a problem. It's not. It's not. It's not at all. Um, there are, as I said at the beginning of the the article, there there are times when it might be, for instance, if you are going to do self-harm to yourself, and you talk about it first. So, so you know, people used to cut themselves, burn themselves, whatever. And it becomes obsessive that you're going to do this. That's when you probably need help. And you should probably talk to someone about about that. But generally speaking, it's, I mean, if you're talking to yourself, it's a good idea. Don't listen to what people think about it being an illness or a bad habit or a problem. It's not. Does it help you guys Rum, I'll start with you with this because I think you were going to say something kind of along those lines. When it comes to moving around, whether it's finding a doorway or just something, especially reminding yourself of a route as you get closer or get going on it, does that help talking to yourself? Or is it just that reaction of embarrassment? Like as if everyone knows you don't know where you're going. Oh, no. So for me, it's less even about how much I remember the route and more about the confidence, right? Like, so sometimes when we're trying new routes and if you're not familiar with it or you haven't had a lot of practice lately, you're nervous. And this can translate in all these other examples as well. But this pep talk that you give yourself that somebody else would give you if you know, somebody else was around, right? So like, you got this or, you know, you, you'd you made a, a wrong turn. Well, oops, just turn back. There's not much to it. Um, that kind of stuff I've been hearing about lately where if no one's around to encourage you or to give you that kind of boost and go ahead, do it for yourself. And the other thing is, Kels, honestly, and I've seen people do it with their guide dogs, friends of mine, and they're not embarrassed at all. It's just so normal for them is they talk to the dogs, which if your dog doesn't understand what you're saying necessarily, that's really you talking out loud, right? Talking to yourself, whatever you want to call it. But it is that out loud conversation that you're having um, with where you're going or finding that route or just encouraging yourself to ask for help or whatever it is. And this whole notion of, is it embarrassing? Are you feeling like, no, not a lot of people do this. I'm kind of nervous to do it out loud. I think the more you do it or the more you get used to doing it, the less you even think about that aspect. Yeah, I, I find I would always, if I'm looking for something, can't find it, like a door that I know is there, I'm like, where the heck, you know, exactly. you do that kind of cut off to, I know it was here before. And I've always found it funny walking with someone who's used to having a you know a guide dog and guiding them because once in a while, they'll, all right, well, let's get going. And they'll grab your elbow now. Hop, hop. No, 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 I'm not the dog, <laughs> man. Come on. How about you, Bill? I'm still one of these... I'm afraid to do it out loud. I'm afraid to do it at all. If I, I mean, I do it here sometimes, but I would never dream of doing it, finding a door, finding something like that. I'd be afraid somebody might say, hey, uh, you know, uh, what they might yeah. think. Mm-hmm. It's a perception thing, right? I Definitely wonder how much is. we do it without knowing we're doing it. Walk into we, a place we, and we're thinking out loud. Well, yeah, that we just do shows. It, we, we do it a uh-huh. lot and without thinking. Exactly. Especially if you do it by yourself already, you might default go to it and not even realize you're talking out loud. So rat out time because I've caught both of you doing it. I'm sure you've caught me doing it, walking when I don't know someone's there. Yeah, uh, you know, I like when you do it, and it's you know, and you don't know the person's there because you're so easy to scare. Especially if (laughs) anyone answers you. I've done it to Shaq. Come in a room. He's. I wonder if. uh, You wonder what, Bill? Uh, Oh, oh. nothing. (laughs) You're in here. You're here. Are you sure? 
talking about a huge story today and i'm you know i dare say they're talking about it all over the country essentially greyhound um is cutting all operations in canada they're basically shutting down um yeah yeah we we kicked off the show doing a little discussion briefly and reminiscing bill but i think you've got a bit more detail for us well apparently they said as of thursday now the operations in ontario will be cut I don't know whether they mean Thursday, this Thursday or next Thursday, but I got this story from um, City TV News uh, via the Canadian press. Um, you know, it's like, how can you allow, I mean, we, we, you know, we talk about how important Greyhound is um, connecting remote communities to major cities. So if you're in a remote community, uh, how do you get to Thunder Bay or how do you get to Winnipeg? Um you know, if if you don't have a lot of money, um, it served people with disabilities, it served backpackers, university students, and here's here's the thing about this: the government over the years have bailed out companies. They bailed out Chrysler. Was it 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, they bailed out, or this this government at one time bailed out the Orion bus company. Isn't this a time when you just cannot allow such, you know, to provide such an invaluable service to go under? And people have to, we got to write to the, the your government MPs, folks, and say, we just can't have this. You know, Greyhound are saying, well, because of, they got a lot of their revenue from the, um, the fare box. And of course, with COVID, they aren't traveling and nobody can go anywhere and that's you know that's fine, but we gotta stop this from happening. It's like mm. it's too invaluable. I, I think with Greyhound, my feeling is it's too late. But what makes me stop and say we saw this coming a year ago, as we were saying on the show earlier, mm-hmm. one of the things that concerns me is you you see the ask of the government, please help. I don't know about the budgeting. I I can only imagine. I have heard so many businesses, small and large, get assistance, whether it's Air Canada or whomever, and and obviously needing it in this time. I'm not going to start singling out, even though I'm mentioning some, I don't mean it in the sense of, well, they got it, they got it. How about what concerns me next is why wouldn't we help if we could, not knowing what money is available, the established business that's here. But I have a funny feeling that as things get better, we'll put money into supporting somebody else starting up or taking over that might still be around. Whether they're offering the the kind of service Greyhound could offer, was set up to offer or not. And that's what I'm fearful of that, yes, we're going to need service, but are we going to be stuck with, well, we have to fund this one. Yeah, but they only do half of what Greyhound did. Well, but we have mm-hmm. to fund this one when we could have possibly helped ourselves doing funding of Greyhound or supporting. I don't know this. This is the stuff that I guess we'll find out, but probably, Bill, the horse is already out of the barn. It might be. Um, I guess if there is if there is a silver lining, the U.S. Greyhound Inc. apparently is going to be um, continuing service from, um, from you know, to, to borders, 
cities. So I, I, I mean, if, okay, so what, if, if, if it goes under, can it be brought back if, when, when times are better? I mean, that's the other thing too, is it may not be totally lost. Um, I don't know. Well, what's scary is they're going to be moving out of all these locations they currently have. These stations that are set up, they'll be out of there. Uh, landlords will take them back. Other people may rent them. Buildings might be knocked down. So we will end up seeing somebody have to spend lots of money to bring this kind of service back unless it's an established already bus service that's there. And then you wonder about the agenda. But, you know, I mean, what about Saskatchewan? What about some of the rural places we're talking up in B.C. that right now are going to and have been dealing without service? I know a lot of people around London here walk by the bus station and see buses and, well, are they actually doing anything out of there when we Mm. were told no? And there's not enough publicity that this is a problem, Rum. Yeah, I know. And and the thing is, we're so caught up, Kells, on what's an essential service and what's not, right? Like even a year and a bit into this, we're still concerned about what is, what isn't. There's a maybe not as much clarity or um, you're just not sure anymore. But, you know, people have to travel for one thing or the other. There are some people who can't just say, oh, wait, well, it doesn't affect me because they need the Greyhound, like you're saying, in those remote areas or in people in communities where uh, we're not getting the service. They need it for the essential things, right? For appointments, for But uh, those voices must be muffled, must be muted, must be not strong enough because yeah. it doesn't make the news. And this is allowed no, to happen. And that That's what I mean. is incredibly we don't see the little steps. We don't see what led to it. We just see this big impact a year later and then think, oh my goodness, you know, how did it come to this? But we're, like you said, we're not hearing what's going on throughout sequentially to lead to this kind of thing. Very and, sad, you Bill. Know, it is. Um, and, and, and maybe, as you say, it's, it's like a lot of things, you know, maybe, and, and, and hopefully there'll be some semblance or some service can take a you know, way we can take that service over. Some company or some way. And I think, Bill, for you and I and many of us out there that relied on it or that's what we grew up knowing or seeing the Greyhound commercials and you hear 90 years of history, it's it's incredibly sad. And again, it's one of those things you stop and and there comes a point, I think, in people's lives where you get tired of losing everything that, well, I remember as a kid, that's gone. Yeah, remember Greyhound? It's gone. You know, you start like, well, what the heck is left? Yeah, well, it's one of the things about COVID. You you lose everything. You, you lose one thing, you lose another. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, and I and like I would say, I would think that probably many people will say, as I grow older, and the younger people are, well, that's 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 nice, Dad. I'm sorry to hear that. Flight 93 families hope heroism award will keep story alive. So basically before I talk about the article, we need to put flight 93 into perspective and maybe Kelly, you know, Um, but basically flight 93 was one of four planes 
um, that, well, we know two planes hit the t- towers in New York. Right. So Flight 93 was targeted for San Francisco. But basically what happened was the passengers on that plane commandeered. It was hijacked. It, it, the, they commandeered the plane and basically crashed the plane in Pennsylvania before it could do any damage. Now, there were four planes on that day that that, that now. So this was two of them hit the towers. One of them hit the Pentagon in this plane that um, uh, Flight 93. No one knows what the target actually was, but it was could they could have been a nuclear power plant or it could have been the White House. So the basically the 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 the, the fam the the passengers on that plane did a very heroic thing and crashed it, forced it to crash before it could do any damage. Um, one of the most heroic things you could ever think of doing, knowing your life it was you were going to die. Um, so the article starts here, where the the surviving family members um, are going to create an award for bravery. They hope that the award will keep their story alive. And, you know, this happened like 20, almost 20 years ago. And it's slowly what's happened. What happened to 9-11 is slowly fading in history. And mm. these yeah. the families feel that uh, we, we need to this should be taught in schools because there are some things that, you know, if you were a kid, you don't know what 9-11 even was. And they just feel that it's it's they're not getting the recognition they deserve. I mean, so often in history where people gave their lives for others and Mm -hmm. they feel that they should be recognized. It's a tricky situation because obviously people need to, to know that day as we do uh, any, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate historical moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the line should be drawn and how much, but I also think the particular people involved, the families here are looking at a different situation and on the other three planes because of the fact that this was stopped from getting to the target and such a human sacrifice occurred. Uh, you are looking at a different perspective and, and conversations that happened through cell phones while people were uh, you know, being held on the plane. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful what the intent is here. Absolutely. But I wonder if the perspective is, is a bit different. Um, teaching? Definitely nothing of this nature should go unforgot. But what else do we or don't we teach, Bill, in school that we used to when you were in school or what and what wasn't taught when we were there? And, you know, there are certain things that have stayed in history that are taught. But I'm certainly sure if you and I sit in on a history class nowadays, we're like, well, hold on. Well, what, what about all the Jacarche stuff or whatever? I, you know, I yeah, um, there's it's, there's a hard line. And there are people that would rather just, well, let's move on. And and to to a point, I agree with that too, right? But um, yeah, I don't know how you move line. on from something like like this. But yeah. you know, it, it, there's there's time. There 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 are many things that we hear in history that happen here in Canada and the United States. Just to begin, that we st- we shudder. Like I, I've heard things lately that I never knew about that were hidden, were awful atrocities committed by our governments committed by people, neighbors, and supposed, you know, friends and citizens, uh, law-abiding citizens. 
Yes. Um, well, just to end this this discussion for this article, we don't know what the award actually is going to be for bravery. And uh, with the article didn't talk about who would get it or what the qualifications are to get it or when it's actually going to start being presented. But hopefully, you know, it will keep the story alive. Yeah, definitely. I think and, anyway. And I think that tremendous piece of that story, not that any part of that uh, of that horrible day is less or more important, but this is a, a different situation that happened that um, there's the, all we can do is say this is what happened, this is what those people did, and they need to be remembered in some way. So I, I understand the families wanting to do this and the bonding those families had to do as, as oh, this went sure. through. This is an interesting one. Um, maybe you've heard of this one or not. Um, Legal to um, actually, they're unveiling everyone is awesome set of Lego bricks. Um, in Yeah, this is to mark um, uh, Pride Month. So you can buy these in, in June, uh, starting on June 1st. And basically, this is to, th- these set of, of bricks are, um, designed for the LGBTQ community, they are painted with the flag of the rainbow, and I gather that's the, their color that they use. Yeah, the, the rainbow des- is the the pride yeah. sign. Pride the pride thing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the designers on the show, or, or designers on the set, actually is a member of the of of, of the LGBTQ community himself, and he realized that. There was not a lot of that 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 the toys weren't really that inclusive, so he designed he decided that he convinced the the people at Lego to design this set. Um, you know, oftentimes LGBTQ um, kids are they're left out. Um, they're often told who to talk to, what to say, and this is really about you know being inclusive and. They have something they can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. You you know you know for yourself that it didn't label do some uh, labels with um, with braille letters to. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Lego braille re- sets. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is just an extension of that, and this is just another way um, that Lego is making their stuff inclusive. And by the way, apparently they are not the only ones. More and more toy companies now are basically come to the forefront and, and making stuff that are for everybody. And when you think of the name, everyone is awesome. Could you think of a, 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 a you couldn't think of a better name? Well, that's true, actually, because it does make it sound equal. And, and you're right, right? Like it, it, it takes a lot of uh, thought behind it. And it takes it seems to take a lot of interests in. Well, I think this is all. It is, I say, it's all inclusive and everyone, they, as far as everyone is equal, every kid is equal and, you know, Legos are very popular. Everybody uses them. And I think it's great for them to, I like the way 
that they've done that. I think that's fantastic. It's the promotion and approach yeah. of it that's really a, the love, right? You're trying to show that you love your kids or you're showing your kids to love um, in this way. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, – it's telling people that it's okay, it's acceptance, and it's just a lot of love. And that's what I think is really nice about this. Um, really, it's less – not less about, but not just about the actual physical Lego set and, and the um, exposure to LGBTQ2 plus community. It's like on top of that, it's the conceptualization of what you're teaching your kids to expose them to the concept, right, and the concept of pride. So it's really um, beautiful. I'm glad that Le Lego's been doing so much of this kind of stuff lately, Bill. It's very exciting. I think so. Um, yeah, and and it's like, like you say, it isn't so, so much of it's what they actually, it's what they it, it represents. Yeah, the and, meaningfulness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Excuse my Transylvanian accent for this one. Um, it isn't very good, but Dracula's castle provides an idyllic site for COVID-19 jabs. Can you believe being <laughs> vaccinated? <laughs> it's too ironic. In the house of Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Dracula's castle was built in the 14th century, and it was a setting for Bram Stoker's novel. And if you've ever read, if you've never read Dracula... It's a good story to read. Um, you talk about a fantastic marketing tool that the Romanians have come up with. Essentially what it is, is you can, now you have to be a Romanian citizen to do this, unfortunately, because they have had, um, you know, uh, inquiries from people from all over the world that want to get vaccinated in Dracula's castle. Um, wow. But what, what you do is you go and you get a certificate and after you're vaccinated and that gives you a tour of the castle, a tour of the torture rooms and all this sort oh, of wow. thing that comes with it. And what they're saying is they hope that this was, this will um, convince more people to get vaccinated. And, yep. you know, what can I say? I mean, I want to get vaccinated in that castle, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we were just you talking. And all the other 400 people who've been vaccinated since the thing started. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And that's Billy, right. we've been talking about this through the show today, the incentives that are being offered, whether it's, you know, I don't want to say financial, but through businesses or, you know, go to a ball game and, and, and get, you know, get, get your jab there. Uh, all these different things we've, we've been talking about on the show. It's really interesting that there is so much encouragement because I've had enough people say to me, look, no one's pushing me to do it. You know, I'm not comfortable. And that's fine. Or, you know, people, I think people, you know, have their comments and opinions and it's what's best for you as we've talked about. But putting situations like this, uh, interesting places for people to go and, and have their shot and, and, and encouraging one thing or another or offering up a free admittance or tours, I think that's really cool. What a place. Well, the, yeah. the one thing that's interesting about what if there was a place in Canada that you people could identify with or the U.S.? 
would that, or Britain, would that not maybe, con or other countries, might that not convince people, more and more people to be vaccinated if there was such places that you, everybody in a particular country could relate to? But I think there is. I think everywhere has, every town, city has somewhere that maybe you don't get a chance to go and look at, get a chance to even enter that, you know, if you could get a free tour of or take a look at a place that you normally can't as part of it. By the way, while you're here, you know, when we have like open doors across the country and people go into different places they don't generally get to go in. I think you could open a lot of different places uh, to that, uh, you know, whether it's private clubs, whether it's, uh, you know, the press box up at Rogers Center, if that's something that some people might find interesting to go to or all the 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 the, the you know, the um, uh, special uh sweets and stuff like that well you know i read i did see something an article where a brewery in the u.s i forgot where is giving you a free beer of course you, you saw uh, <laughs> of course i saw it didn't I? <laughs> of course yeah well i went into the states bill you're not legally allowed to i went into the oh, states yeah. and got my shot Bill Shackleton is a usual suspect on our show, Kelly and Company. You can catch Billy sneaking around the studio on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of the buzz. All right, see ya. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.